The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Thanks for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, your host, and I'm really excited about the guest I have today. This is Fernando Murias. He is the chairman and CEO of Digital Global Systems. Fernando, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Fernando, I'd love to hear your journey and how you got to the seat that you're in today. Uh, it's, it's been an interesting journey, actually. I spent 30 plus years uh, with PricewaterhouseCoopers. A lot of my uh, focus as a consultant was in the high-tech telecom industry, government contracting industry. And so I had a very good feel, Carrie, that from a, uh, an architecture standpoint, the growth in wireless was not going to be able to be supported by the existing infrastructure that was out there. Uh, given my consulting in the area with with uh, various carriers. Uh, and when I was approached uh, by someone who was looking to raise capital for a potential new venture to enhance wireless communications, it really caught my attention. And so I uh, retired early from PwC uh, and agreed to, uh, to join the company as the CEO uh, 11 years ago and uh, initially started by forming the the strategy around what markets we wanted to look at, as well as obviously raising capital like you do in a startup. And we've been in R&D mode for the last 10 years, um, really focusing on developing the technology that we thought was going to be needed for the rollout of 5G and the new um, elements of tech that were coming uh, in this particular space to enable broader communications. And uh, it's been a wild journey since then. And here we are. Here we are. So I want to know more about um, digital global systems, but we're going to abbreviate that to DGS. And I think that's yes. fine with you, right? Okay. Yes. So uh, tell us the DGS story. So um, we embarked, as I alluded to earlier, uh, to develop a technology platform that would enable uh, more efficient communications, more automated ways of identifying interference uh, to making communication uh, more effective, network communications more effective. Starting with the inter automated interference, uh, we initially started uh, working with a large carrier who couldn't identify uh, trouble spots in 15 different areas around the country, and our technology identified the issues in less than two hours. So that gave us a lot of confidence to continue the development path on where we were headed. Uh, since then, we've developed technology that's yielded 157 patents, and we've got 40 patents pending in the U.S., and quite a large portfolio around spectrum management, second only to Qualcomm right now. Uh, so we're very pleased with what we've been able to accomplish. But our whole focus as an entity is to really understand the RF environment in real time to provide actionable data uh, to particular customers. That's impressive. So how does how does DGS enable 5G performance? So uh, from a 5G perspective, one of the keys that you need to 
keep front of mind is that uh, low latency and high reliability are kind of at the cornerstone of the services that are expected to, to roll out, both with 5G and 6G. And because of our ability to assess the RF environment in real time and provide actual information to be able to articulate to someone in this particular market, a, a service that requires low latency will work effectively if you use these parameters with this carrier, et cetera. Uh, we can provide the signal characteristics necessary to, to, to tell service providers whether or not the environment is suitable for what they need, whether it's, again, low latency, high reliability, whatever the services are going to require. So I want to talk about private wireless quickly. How do you believe private wireless should be optimized in order to scale quickly? Yeah, so if you think about private wireless really growing from the delays that came with 5G rolling out for different reasons, um, one of the problems or challenges that, that uh, private wireless faces today is that in order to allocate spectrum, the uh, CBRS platform uses a static propagation model. And it doesn't really give the ability for the users to identify a problem in the spectrum that's been allocated, whether it's it's clear of interference, et cetera. And uh, as a result of that, as more users come onto a private wireless platform, you can expect that the interference is going to be more significant and the allocation spectrum is gonna to need to be more dynamic to be effective. And under the static propagation models that are currently in use, uh, we see the ineffective allocation of spectrum by not having real-time RF information of what's really happening in the environment as an impediment to scaling that market. As more users come on, it's gonna become less effective and less optimal uh, as a network and therefore slow down the growth. If that allocation of spectrum process is improved, uh, which is where we, we come in, uh, we think that'll help the growth of that whole platform. So the new digital economy is is providing a number of new services. What role do you see that RAN plays in this? And how does open architecture RAN enable these types of you know, services and changes? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, the RAN currently is focused on capacity. I mean, that's its main goal. The RAN of the future, the next gen RAN, as we call it for the, the new digital economy, is really gonna be focused more on services, delivering services. In order to do that, you have to have an understanding of what's happening in the RF environment in real time in an automated fashion. And having accelerated chipsets in the RAN that can have software like ours in it to provide the data that's needed uh, around what's happening in the RF environment in real time is gonna be critical to roll out 5G services and beyond. Uh, and, and that actually is best done through the RAN. In the past, the parties that controlled you know, the radio access network did not really wanna make changes to their radio. Uh, and it became difficult for things like we're talking about, putting new software in that enables these types of functionality. The ORAN architecture, the open architecture, uh, is really the gateway to enable changes like this uh, effectively to be rolled out into the existing infrastructure in the market. So I believe the ORAN initiative is uh, is really critical for new technology 
like ours to be embedded into uh, to RAN infrastructure. Hmm. You know, there's been a great deal of discussion around spectrum sharing, uh, especially lately. What is your view on this topic and how does DGS support this initiative? Um, so spectrum sharing, I think, is a critical element given that spectrum is finite, it's fixed. We're already really crowded in the communication. The, the communication is a sweet spot of, of the spectrum. Uh, and the cost for the government to vacate spectrum has become significant uh, and almost unattainable, right? And so sharing spectrum uh, frees up a significant amount of additional spectrum that the government could repurpose uh, if it doesn't have to vacate. And the perfect example of that is the uh, the uh, spectrum that's being talked about for 5G services right now, uh, the 3.1 to 3.45 gigahertz for the, the upcoming auction and uh, for 5G services. And uh, that's where all the radar uh, for the U.S. is basically operating now. To vacate that space would cost you know, tr trillions of dollars uh, for the, the Department of Defense. It would be just too costly. Sharing that spectrum uh, is a great solution. The, the people that were concerned about this said that uh, spectrum sharing is, is a great way to go, but the technology will take seven years to build and it's very difficult to implement in the near term. Um, I agree it, it'll take seven years to build. It took us seven years to build it, but we started seven years ago. So we have it. It's doable. We've demonstrated the capabilities of spectrum sharing, dynamic spectrum sharing. And so to be able to have uh, a process to effectively share spectrum, prioritize signals, which is critical when you're dealing with the DOD, uh, is uh, a, I think, a cornerstone of the future. And I was happy to see that in the announcement that came out recently from the government. Yes. And tell us more about your view on that, the, the recent White House announcement that dynamic spectrum sharing be part of the national spectrum strategy going forward. Yeah, we were expecting that, and we were very pleased to see it in writing, finally. Um, uh, pillar three of the announcement specifically talked about innovation and in, in technology in this space. And um, dynamic spectrum sharing uh, has been recognized, finally, by the government as a critical way to move forward with the challenge that we have around sharing spectrum, around allocating spectrum, and, and dealing with the demand that outweighs the spectrum that's currently available. So we were very happy to see it. Uh, we're pleased that we have a solution for that uh, that's covered by a pretty strong patent portfolio. So, you know, we were very encouraged by it. And, uh, um, you know, we foresaw this coming years ago, which is why we embarked on building this, uh, this solution. So we we're very pleased about it. So you mentioned the DOD. How is Spectrum utilized in the military? So, um, you know, one of the things that I, I found really interesting was uh, recent announcements that um, if you look at the domains that the DOD operates in air, uh, land, sea, and then space, and then uh, recently announcing spectrum as the fifth domain of the warfighter uh, was really important. When you look at the DOD, uh, not just co coordination of communication uh, on the battlefield, but um, also to be able to use spectrum offensively uh, in a, a wartime situation, spectrum as a weapon, if you would, by providing this information to our adversaries, and uh, has become critically important. From a 5G perspective, 
the DOD's um, lagging a little behind commercial in the use of 5G. Uh, we do see it coming. It's going to be important for them uh, on communications and, and automating uh, security systems that they have. Uh, but using spectrum and RF intelligence is critically important. So from that perspective, you know, what we call RF awareness to improve the situational um, awareness of the warfighter is really important. So give us a, a glimpse into the future. What's on the horizon for DGS? So um, we will continue uh, our development efforts. We see the uh, processing of signal data at the edge in an automated fashion as critical to the continued growth and uh, to meet the demands of Spectrum and all the services that we see coming. Um, we believe ground sensors are critical to have the information that's needed from a signal characteristic standpoint to be able to drive some of the things I spoke about earlier when we're talking about low latency, high reliability, spectrum sharing, you know, et cetera. Um, but we believe the disbursement of the sensors to enable that will move from um, devices placed on rooftops and towers to uh, chipsets inside the RAN to uh, really uh, scale the ability for this software to be very pervasive and get out into the market quickly. And then ultimately for every cell phone to become a sensor, to have the software and the technology embedded in the chips that can enable every device to become a sensor to provide information on the RF environment. So uh, we see a future where automated RF intelligence at the edge is going to continue to be critical. In that, and that's where we're heading and continuing with our development efforts. Mm. Exciting times ahead, and sounds like that uh, DGS is uh, leading leading the charge there. So, congratulations! Thank you, Carrie. Fernando, this has been insightful. I've learned a lot from you in just the, the few times that I've spoken to you. Uh, what? How can how can we reach DGS? So our website is. Um, I wish it was DGS and not Digital Global Systems, but it's www.digitalglobalsystems.com. Uh, that'll take you to the website and it has uh, information on uh, what our priorities are as a company. Um, you know, we, we, I always struggle to try to articulate what we do in a 30 second elevator speech. But when you talk about, when you look at our website, we, we really kind of break out the four pillars of what we think we, our technology enables. And that's facilitating new 5G services, which we've talked about here on this podcast enhancing the next generation RAN, which we've also talked about, um, improving pri private wireless performance, and then fourth, basically enabling dynamic spectrum sharing. So we covered all four of those pillars, which is what you'll see on our website. That's our focus. So it's our technology and then obviously how to reach us as well. Fernando, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Yes. Take care. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.